happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome into episode 16 of the Tar Devils Podcast. My name is Tyler Rosari, the objective Duke fan in this duo. Talk with my good friend, John Bowman, the UNC fan in this duo, and John will title this episode Sweet 16 in honor of March Madness, which will officially get started next week. John, how are you doing? We're recording this after Selection Sunday, and they have, the bracket has come out. Duke is out, and UNC is in. How are you feeling about that? Well, Tyler, I thought we agreed we were going to rename the podcast. It's just the TAR podcast now because the Devils are no more. Duke oh, yeah. season is over. It is a very, even as a UNC fan, I could empathize with the way you all season ended there with the COVID situation. It's very unfortunate. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time tonight talking about Duke because it was a roller coaster of a season. Not just the COVID pauses, but just Duke's season as a whole. Um, they had one of the more unique seasons in college basketball this year. So we're going to talk a little bit about that Duke team. We're going to uh, review the ACC tournament. It was a really exciting tournament. Georgia Tech, Tyler, your team from the beginning, did really well in the ACC tournament. UNC also had some up and down performances in that tournament. So we're going to talk about that. And we'll close by reviewing the brackets. It's very exciting to see Selection Sunday again after we missed it last year. So we're going to spend some time tonight reviewing the brackets, maybe making some final four picks as well. So let's jump into our first segment, which is talking about Duke. The Blue Devils season ended in the ACC tournament. They finished with a record of 13 and 11. Before I throw it to Tyler for a reaction, I want to just give everyone a quick recap of that season. So Duke started off with a game against Gardner-Webb that was postponed. That was a theme of the early part of their season because they canceled some of their early games against non-conference opponents back in November, December, when it was really dicey with COVID. Uh, Duke then had their first two ACC games postponed. They were supposed to play Pittsburgh and Florida State, but instead they started off uh, 3-0 and in conference. They beat Notre Dame early. They jumped out with some early wins over Boston College and Wake Forest. And then it was kind of a roller coaster from there. They finished with a 9-9 nine and nine record in conference play. They got to the ACC tournament, which was supposed to be a big moment for this team. Uh, they beat Boston College on Tuesday. They beat Louisville on Wednesday. They were looking really good. And then, of course, COVID took them out of the ACC tournament. Tyler, when you look back on this Duke season, so much happened. We didn't even mention Jalen Johnson. What are you going to remember about this Duke team? Yeah, fitting that you said Duke's season ended in the ACC tournament. You didn't say Duke was taken out by or Duke got beat to end the season. No, COVID ends Duke's season officially. You can say all you want. Oh, Duke wouldn't have made it or they wouldn't have won against Florida State. Duke looked damn good. They looked damn. They were up by 40 points against Boston College dominated Louisville in the second round, 36 of the 40 minutes. There was a four-minute lapse at the end of the first half. Louisville went on some crazy run, about 16-0 run, and Duke ended up being up one at halftime. So for 36 of the 40 minutes, Duke didn't just beat Louisville. They were dominating. 
dominating that game. Looking good going into a Florida State team who was not playing well to end the season. Florida State had come out of COVID and lost to UNC and then blew a game against Notre Dame when they could have won the ACC regular season. They were not looking very hot, and I felt okay about Duke's chances. And Duke was on the bubble then. If Duke wins that game, it looks like they would have been in the tournament. And I'll get when we talk about the bracket and the seeding in a future segment, I'll um, you know, give a little bit more of my thoughts about some of the seeding of the rest of the ACC and where Duke stacked against them. But it's a fitting end to Duke's season, a roller coaster season, like you said. And one year ago, one year and a day ago, before Duke's season was ended with COVID, was when Duke pulled out of the NCAA tournament first before COVID really kicked off. And uh, Duke seems to be hit harder by this than anyone. They were favorites last year, and the tournament's canceled. And then this year, fighting for their lives, looking very good. And then Duke's the first team out of ACC with having no positive tests all year because Duke did have the strictest protocols of any ACC team. And for those who don't know, the players were separated from campus. They lived at Washington Duke Golf Course, the Washington Duke Inn there, um, which is just a little bit separated from the Duke campus away uh, from the students. They get all their meals there. Um, so you know, one of the jokes was that the freshmen on campus don't even know how to navigate campus yet because they've been so <laughs> removed from it. Uh, but after going through all that, no, no positive tests, and then they somehow get a positive test, um, you know, during the tournament. There was some national, oh, national, but there's news going around about this weekend with uh, extra COVID cases with um, some of the fraternity houses, but and maybe one of the managers or something, that's the rumor, was at one of these parties and then tested positive. Or one or may have been a walk-on. I think it was a walk-on was what the rumor is. I don't think these are very substantiated sources. John, you're nodding your head. You want to jump in real quick? Well, if that is true, if that if it was a walk-on or a manager, I would not want to be that walk-on or manager because Coach K must be furious. Uh, that would be a tough one to come back. Obviously, those are rumors. We don't know exactly what happened, but that is a definitely yep. a tough situation. The other thing is that um, it's just interesting that if this had happened. This, um, these, this test that happened during the NCAA tournament, not an ACC conference or any other conference game, it would not have mattered. Duke would have still been able to play because the conference championships and the conference tournaments, contact tracing matters. So even if you test negative, but you're in the vicinity from someone that had tested positive, you got to quarantine. And the NCAA tournament is different. You have to test positive. As long as you have five people that pass these protocols and test negative, you can play. So we saw like Kansas, Virginia, Duke, wild that these these teams with big like recognizable names are pulled out of the tournaments. That won't necessarily happen to NCA like it did during this conference. So I don't think a lot of teams are going to have to be forced to be put out of NCA just because the contact tracing doesn't matter. But in terms of Duke's season, disappointing for sure. A ton of talent that was slow to really gel, but that's because of all the COVID cancellations early. And those tune-up games Duke never got. People say, I'll talk about Syracuse a little bit later, but people like, Syracuse had 16 wins. They beat nobody all year. Nobody. And Duke would have had 16 wins if those three or four games that were canceled during the non-conference 
were played because those were the easy cupcake teams that a lot of teams used to bolster their schedule and get extra wins on the team or for the team that season. So biggest takeaway is disappointing, but like I said a couple episodes now, patience is key. Next year, probably the number one ranked team coming into the season. That's just a guess. It really depends on a couple of the um, recruits that are coming in. Patrick Baldwin Jr., we don't know where he's going yet. Keels is supposed to, I think it's Trevor Keels, Trevon Keels. He's supposed to announce next week or so, I think. Supposed to go to Duke and maybe not anymore because the players that are returning. Um, but last point, Matthew Hurt never played in the NCAA tournament game. Pretty crazy. Yeah, I think for me, the last name that maybe we didn't mention too much, but we have to mention given how he played in the ACC tournament, Mark Williams, Mark Williams. his emergence this at the end of this season. He may have lost him to the draft. I, I, I think he's going to come around, come back. I was actually going to ask you about that, Tyler. So currently on the ESPN big boards, Matthew Hurt is 47th. Okay. And DJ Stewart is 61. Who are you expecting to come back to Duke next season? Uh, what are you expecting that roster to look like in terms of returning people? So I think Matthew Hurt has maximized his potential and he has to leave. The best decision for him, because what keeps him back now isn't as isn't as much as skill, it's athleticism. And that's where he's really going to struggle. I don't think he will be a great pro at all for that reason, because he's too damn slow. And it doesn't matter how much how well you can shoot, because he is going to be such a defensive liability. And in the league, there are people are going to be able to keep up and block that shot, because they're just bigger and longer. And they know all he does is jab step. In college, he can she shoots it high so he can get away with it. I don't think it's going to be as effective in the league. So I don't think he'll be a great pro, but, so he needs to leave now. He's maximized potential in college. Um, Mark Williams, he is going – I think he should stay because he can be a top big in the country, not just a, not just a conference, in the country. And all he needs to do is put on, put on some weight over the offseason, work on some post moves. But he has had the best single season progression I've ever seen because I've, I've seen on Twitter people saying he just didn't get his minutes. No, he got his minutes and he was soft, soft as hell. He would touch the ball in the paint and shoot a fadeaway. Now he touches it, two dribbles, dunk every time. And he actually has really good shooting form too. I think he should be on a lot of NBA uh, people's big board. Is he on the, um, the NBA mock draft, do you know? So I'm he's looking at there. the ESPN big board. He's not listed he's not. in the top 100, but you're right. He has risen a lot at the end of the season. Yeah. Anytime you have 23 and 19 in an ACC tournament game, some scouts are going to take notice. So we'll yeah. see. I think he's going to come back as well, though. So I think he will come back, and he can. He's not on that draft. He definitely should stay. Um, but right now, I don't. If he, if a team did draft him, he'd be a project still because he still needs to put on about 30, 40 pounds. Um, but I he think he will be a good player. DJ Stewart, I also think, should come back because he is so slender. He's going to get eaten alive in the league the first couple of years. Um, it's not like he has quickness for college. It's, it's not anything crazy in the NBA. Like People will be able to match his speed and he's so much smaller. He would also be a problem. He may flame out quickly if, if he left right away. So I would expect him to come back as well. Obviously, Jerry, Jeremy Roach. Wendell Moore is an interesting one because he's supposed to be the man. And he looks like he probably has to be a four-year player. I don't see him as a great pro. I was saying earlier, 
I mean, I like Wendell's attitude. He's a great defender. I think that's the best part of his game. But if you think about scoring at three different levels, that's what you talk about, at the rim, scoring mid-range, and then beyond the three-point line. Wendell Moore is okay at a lot of them, and he's not he's not great at any of them. To be in the league, I could be great at at least one of those. J.J. Redick is a great three-point shooter, doesn't do anything else for you. Okay, but he can specialize in one thing. Same thing with Kyle Korver. Wendell Moore is not great at any of them. And so I don't think that he has a lot of NBA potential because I don't think he'll ever be great at any of them. So I think he has to stay for four years. Um, Jamin Brakefield, he may transfer. I don't know if there's rumors about it, but I don't see him getting a ton of minutes. And he, I'm not the, I'm not as high on him as a lot of others because I think his basketball IQ is low, which is a problem. You can fix a lot of athleticism things or you can fix um, – system things but if you don't have low basketball IQ I think that's tough to you can coach it up but it's for guys that are trying to go to the league that quickly I think it's a little more difficult I love Henry Coleman though he he would be my guy that I'd rather have than Jamin Brayfield I wish he got more minutes but he played well too um so yeah I think the roster should be stacked next year because although a few guys could leave I expect DJ Stewart to stay I expect Jeremy Roach to stay I expect Wendell to stay I expect Mark Williams to stay I only think the only people we leave or or that leave are Jordan Goldwire because he's graduating. Although he does have a COVID year option, but I think he he already tweeted out that it's his last home game a few weeks ago, so he's going to be gone. And uh, Matthew Hurt, so it should be a pretty stacked and old roster coming in next year, which is the first time I could say that in like a decade. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating offense off season as well. You alluded to it there with players deciding whether or not they want to come back for their super senior season. Also the transfer rule, literally it could be the wild west. Anyone could come on. Duke is a very uh, appealing option if you're a transfer. So anyone that Duke calls about and says, Hey, would you want to come play here? You feel like Duke would have a shot, a shot with one of those guys. And, and that's something we don't know yet. Something that's interesting is Duke has not Duke's first transfer that uh, coach K took was Seth Curry. Fantastic player. It worked out very well. Since then, Sean Obi, who was a mistake from Rice, and Patrick DePay, who was an even bigger mistake. And for whatever reason, Duke has reached out to a number, like I think it was Seth Tuttle, a few other shooters um, that Duke needed to get, and they reached out. And a lot of the transfers don't want to come to Duke. And I think it's because they know they're going to be competing for playing time, and they don't think they can win out. So that's why a lot of people actually transfer out of Duke. But I think for people that want to come to Duke, I don't know if it's too attractive of a place as a transfer, just based on this yeah. previous history. No, absolutely. That does make sense. Seth Curry, I think, was a little bit of an anomaly, just like Cam Johnson at UNC. Uh, and then UNC has had a little bit of dwindling success with their transfers since that. A lot to talk about with Duke for sure. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. For now, let's jump into segment two to talk a little bit about the ACC tournament and UNC's play. Okay, we're going to jump in and talk about a little bit of the ACC results and UNC's play during the ACC tournament. Um, I mean, UVA and Duke pulled out because of COVID. Pretty astonishing. Uh, something no, none of – I. I don't know if we really expected this to happen until it did. 
um, especially with Duke, who hadn't had a co positive COVID test all season. Um, but shout out to Miami. Look at them at a 13 seed. They beat Pitt. Not much of a surprise with having all the transfers that Pitt had. You know, Pitt was kind of dead in the water the last few weeks with that. Um, and then Miami beat Clemson. Not a surprise because I think Clemson, I mean, after Duke beat them by 30, my and they had lost three or four in a row, I, I was not high on Clemson. But Clemson somehow is a five seed. The ACC tournament gets beat by Miami. Miami was riddled with injuries all year, and they fought their asses off. So, I mean, I, I like Isaiah Wong a lot. So, congrats to Miami on a pretty good season that, considering all the injuries they had. Um, and then uh, the bottom part of the bracket really started with Duke beat Louisville, and then game against Florida State was canceled. So, Florida State with an automatic bye to the semifinals. <laughs> pretty funny. Um, and then UNC smacks Notre Dame. And then plays Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, who has played three games since the start of February. And they're a three seed. I have a lot of problems with that. I have a lot of problems with their coach winning ACC Coach of the Year. Definitely should have been passing there. But UNC wins that game and then loses a tight one against Florida State. And my team, Georgia Tech. Woo, man. Thank God Georgia Tech made me look good. They won against Miami. Had the game against Virginia canceled, so they got a bye from the semis to the championship game. It wins a really back-and-forth game against Florida State. Um, they took control late. Pretty happy for that team. A bunch of uh, seniors on that team that won't be there after this year. And uh, John Passer, I think, is a good guy, good coach. Coaches hard. So congrats to Georgia Tech, the ACC champions. We'll, get in a, we'll talk a little bit later about their seed in the tournament. Uh, but, John, let's, let's talk about UNC. In this tournament, what did you like? What are what are your hopes going into um, the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think that UNC played very well in their first two games against Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. Have to call out the offensive rebounding against Notre Dame. That was something that I was looking for in matchups uh, in the NCAA tournament for UNC. If they have an ability to dominate the offensive boards, this is a very tough team to stop offensively. So teams in uh, the bracket who are not able to rebound very well, they should watch out against UNC. But they ultimately fell to Florida State. That was a very close game, 69-66. Um, that specific game, a lot of the comments thrown around about the refs. Uh, but I think for me, it came down to free throws. UNC was 14 of 25 from the free throw line. That's 56%. Bottom line, in the month of March, you have to be able to hit your free throws in order to survive in advance. UNC just gave away way too many free baskets off of that. I think Armando Baycott had a great tournament. That was reflected in some of the uh, awards that he got. I think he was on the all-ACC uh, tournament team. I thought uh, UNC's freshman guards also played well. R.J. Davis was a big part of the game against Virginia Tech. Uh, and then Caleb Love, he had 13 points against Florida State. He did pretty well against Notre Dame as well. He had 15 points there. So that's two positive signs for UNC heading into the tournament. Uh, I know that ACC tournament is over and we're focused now on March Madness. Um, but I think UNC had some important building blocks in that tournament in Greensboro. And I think UNC has a good bit of momentum heading in. To March. We're going to get into their matchup against Wisconsin in the third segment, 
but definitely a good opportunity for UNC. Tyler, what were your thoughts on UNC? Um, I think, like you said, the, the offensive rebound is becoming a big story. The duo between Baycott and Sharp when they're on the floor together, some of, I think probably the best offensive rebounding duo in the country. And that definitely was evident really throughout the whole whole tournament, especially against Virginia Tech, in my opinion. Um, John, I just want to ask you, I heard a few weeks ago, Walker Kessler um, uh, transfer rumors. Have you heard anything about that or no? I have not heard anything about that, but from just from an outsider's perspective, I would be extremely surprised if Kessler transferred. I think the reason that I would be very surprised is how well he's played over these last few weeks. Um, maybe at the start of the year, I could see him getting frustrated, um, but especially in the month of February, in the month of March, he's really looked good for UNC. I think the sky is the limit really for his potential. Just like with Mark Williams at Duke, I think Walker Kessler could have a huge sophomore season at UNC. So I'd be very think, surprised if well, he transferred. I think Roy did one of his classic hideous players like he always does. And Kessler was different from Mark Williams. Kessler played very well in the start of the season and couldn't stay on the floor for minutes. And then he finally got minutes and was playing his ass off. And now it looks like He's the most skilled big, like I thought from the beginning of the year. Not the most powerful, but he's got the most skill of any of your bigs. And I wouldn't be surprised if he left because I, th I think Roy's doing what he usually does. He'll play the guy at the end of the season kind of when it's too late. But now he's getting some recognition and feels himself a little bit. But Walker Kessler has to use their practice. He has to know that he was the better big than at least Garrison Brooks or Daron Sharp. Who Daron had a big, big low in the middle of that season. It was, I mean, you're talking about like four, two to four points a game. And Kessler couldn't even touch the floor. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's harboring some, you know, ill will towards it and thinks he can perform better elsewhere where he gets the minutes he deserves. I think you're right that he's played enough at the end of this season to not warrant a transfer. But I think that's also what Roy planned on all season, to be honest with you. I think with Kessler as well, there were some COVID issues with him at the beginning of the season. A huge learning curve as well with learning UNC's playbook, which we've talked about before. Um, so, yeah, I, I would be surprised as well uh, for those reasons. He didn't get the full experience here in Chapel Hill. He didn't get a full offseason in Chapel Hill. Really, John, so let me ask you, who do you, who do you believe to be back for UNC and who's, who's um, leaving to the draft? Yeah, it's an interesting question, especially with, you know, the transfers and who could come back. UNC has a couple of seniors as well who would be really interesting to hear about, you know, if, if Playtech is going to return, if Garrison Brooks is going to return. In my opinion, I think everyone is coming back, uh, including the super seniors, except for Dayron Sharp. I think Dayron Sharp sees that he has first-round potential. Who are your super seniors? So that would be specifically Garrison Brooks, who I think could return or potentially transfer. And then I think Andrew Playtech, I believe he'll be coming back. That's my guess, my prediction. I don't think he has too many options elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, I think he has a home in Chapel Hill for now. But Garrison, kind of following that Tony Bradley model, you can go into the NBA, uh, still develop. And just now, really, Tony is getting some solid minutes in the NBA. Uh, so I think Dayron has that same trajectory. He needs to work on a couple more things, kind of round out and polish his offensive game. But I think the NBA sees that potential, and he could go in the first round. 
After an emotional senior night, Garrison Brooks comes back for a second senior <laughs> night. <laughs> hey, it's a it's been a weird season. We're about to have a very weird March Madness tournament. Tyler, I'm super excited to talk about the bracket with you. Let's jump into segment three to talk about March Madness, the NCAA tournament. It's here. Tonight, we got the brackets part of Selection Sunday. It was super exciting, especially remembering last year when we had nothing and ESPN did that weird show where they like ranked all the NCA bracket. They did random brackets on Sports Center because there was no sports. Now we're back to normal. We have a bracket. All the games are going to be in Indianapolis or more specifically the state of Indiana. I want to read through a couple of the top seeds, call out a couple of ACC teams where they landed, and then I want to hear from Tyler about what he thought about this bracket. The four one seeds are Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. There are a couple of interesting ACC seedings. Uh, Florida State was the four seed. Uh, I think they earned that, but uh, they have a tough matchup in round one against UNC Greensboro. Clemson came in as a seven seed, which is kind of interesting. Virginia Tech, a 10 seed. I think that's fair, given that they have not done much in the last six weeks or so. Mm -hmm. uh, North Carolina came in as an eight seed. Uh, and then Georgia Tech, no respect after winning the ACC tournament. They're a nine seed. Syracuse also snuck in as an 11 seed. Tyler, what were your thoughts about the bracket and the seedings? What the hell is the criteria that the NCAA committee uses? I mean, I, I have zero clue with looking at these rankings. Uh, I mean, I would like them to use Ken Palm. I think you would too, being the statistical analyst that you are but isn't the net ranking supposed to be up there now isn't that what's supposed to be a lot of what they use um if you look at ken palm rank the ken palm ranked one through 32 teams all got in with georgia tech being at 32nd the first team that didn't get in that was ranked the highest was duke at 33 okay so and then Rutgers got in penn state wasn't in at 11 to 14 so not surprising there, but it made me think, okay, was Duke's season really that bad, or is this media just driving some narrative, and and that's the that's what the committee's using? So I started looking at these net rankings. Let me pull them up real quick. Um, Michigan State is in the first, or one of the last four in. You know what Michigan State net ranking is? 70. 70? What? Louisville... And the other net, or first four teams out are like the mid 50 low. They're in the 40s to 50s, and Michigan State is in at 70. So what what are we using here to determine who gets in? The other thing that shocks me is Syracuse is in. Now Syracuse is the 40th net rank. They're not even in a play-in game. They were on the bubble between first four out and last four in. And they don't even have a playing game as an 11 seed. So that was pretty shocking to me. And if you look at Ken Palm, Syracuse is all the way down at, I can't even find it. I'm sorry. Uh, 41. They're at 41. But they're t and I looked at their strength of schedule. They have one quad one win. And they are ranked, again, um, 40. 40 in the net ranking, Duke was 49, 
Duke had two quad one wins. Syracuse had one. Syracuse was one, one and eight in quad one. Duke was two and five. Duke beat Syracuse handily. They were up 30 in that game. I'm not saying Duke should be in because they shouldn't. But how the hell is Syracuse not even in a playoff playing game? What is the standard we're using here? They're 16 and nine with one quad one win, meaning they just have cupcake wins. And I believe that quad one may have been Virginia Tech, who wasn't even playing half their season. So that's a couple of the gripes I had with with seeing these seedings. Clemson was a seven seed, I believe. Am I right in saying that, John? Yeah, Clemson is a seven seed. They're next to Houston, the two seed in the Midwest. How? Midwest in quotes. How is Clemson a seven seed? After now winning a single game in the ACC tournament and sucking most of the year. Like, I don't get a lot of a lot of this criteria. And then to your point, Georgia Tech won the ACC and came in at a nine seed. How? Like, Georgia Tech was 32, like I said, in Ken Palm. And let me pull up the, the net rankings one more time. Um, Georgia Tech is 38th in that ranking. 38th. Okay, U UNC is 32. Or sorry, Georgia Tech's 33. My bad. UNC is 32. And Georgia Tech won the ACC. And is, isn't UNC an 8 seed, I believe? Pull yes. It up. Uh, wait, let me make sure. Yeah, UNC is an 8 seed. Okay, so Georgia Tech won the... ACC, Georgia Tech beat UNC, and they're 32 and 33 in the net rankings, and UNC's an 8, Georgia Tech's a 9. I think Georgia Tech should have been a 7 seed instead of Clemson. But I think, again, I talked about a scrubbing system that the NCA does on a previous episode. I don't know if that's what they're doing. Can you shed some light on how this committee is evaluating teams? The only good news I can give you, Tyler, is that after tonight, none of us have to look at the net rankings anymore. Joe Lenardi has returned to his basement where he lives. No one cares about Joe Lenardi <laughs> anymore. It is a tough thing for sure. I think that you know there's a lot of teams out there tonight. Louisville, too, they missed the tournament. They were right there on the edge. Uh, a lot of frustrated teams tonight. I think Duke fans have a legitimate gripe as well, and, and the fact that the COVID cancellation took it away there from the ACC tournament is tough for sure. Um, but we have this bracket that we have. Uh, all the games start on Friday of this week. The first four is on Thursday. So um, don't keep, don't uh, turn to true TV too early because the games will be on uh, a little bit later this week due to all the COVID protocols. Um, we're going to spend a little bit of time here picking a final four uh, it's going to be a crazy year i think a lot of buzzer beaters we saw in the conference tournaments already i think that's going to keep up uh, a lot of upsets in this year's bracket tyler do you want to take a stab at your at your final four to help us close out tonight's show yeah so uh i told you this a little earlier but i haven't even filled out a bracket yet this is the first year I really don't give a damn about the tournament that much. The only year in my lifetime where Duke hasn't been in it, this is usually every year the, my favorite part of the year, and I would have already made 20 bra brackets by now. Just kidding, just one because I'm always right, you know. <laughs> no, but I would have definitely have filled out a few. with. I always have Duke winning, but or at least most of the time. But 
Yeah, so I'm going I'm to go on the fly here and pick this final four. I was looking at the bracket. I think Gonzaga has by far the most favorable road, but well-deserved. Well-deserved. They're undefeated. I said from day one, it's them and everyone else. I think they deserve to have the easiest path. That is what being the overall top seed is supposed to mean. And so I'm happy that the committee at least honored that. Usually the best team has a hard – for a reason, the top overall seed will be screwed with the hardest bracket. In this case, I don't think that um, that happened. So I think Gonzaga, look at them as a one seed. You have Virginia at the four seed. I think Virginia is a very weak four seed. And then you're looking at Iowa as a two seed. And then the three seed is Kansas. Um, I don't think Gonzaga has any trouble with any of these teams. Uh, the first trouble may come in the Elite Eight against KU or Iowa. One of those two will probably get there. I don't even think Virginia will end up meeting Gonzaga. They're probably going to lose beforehand. Um, but even a team like Creighton is the five seed. Creighton just lost to unranked Georgetown in the championship game by like 20 or 30 points. And it looks like they're not playing very good basketball right now. So I think Gonzaga in the West is definitely going to come out of that, that side. Look at Michigan. Michigan is in trouble. Michigan has some injuries right now. It's one of their best players, one of their best forwards and livers. Um, and so they're going to struggle. And look at LSU. I was walking, watching Bracketology, so I won't take credit for, like, knowing this. But the experts talk about LSU has, you know, three professional scores. And if Michigan can't be healthy for that game, they may go down in the second round. Um, and then Alabama has a two seed, easily the best two seed. Well, I'll take that back. I think Ohio State's the best two seed, but um, I don't think Alabama's very far behind. And so I'm going to go ahead and pick Alabama out of that east, out of the east region. Florida State is in there at the four seed. Uh, my only problem with Florida State is that they're very inconsistent. I don't think they played great basketball down the stretch. They lost to UNC, lost to Notre Dame, lost to Georgia Tech, um, albeit close games. They did beat UNC again, but... I just don't think FSU is consistent enough, and their track record at NCAA is not good. There have been a number of times they've been high-ranked three or four seeds, and they blow it. So I don't, I don't trust them. I'm going to go with Gonzaga in the West, Alabama in the East. Um, and I look at Baylor. I think Baylor got a very favorable matchup. They're going to play the winner of North Carolina-Wisconsin. That's a tough game for, for uh, North Carolina. Wisconsin is a very up-and-down team, but – I think if UNC gets a second round, those guards from Baylor are going to terrorize you guys. Terrorize. You guys probably have 25 turnovers in that game, which would be crazy, but I could see it being up there, 20-plus for sure. So Baylor's not really going to have and produce a four seed. Baylor's not going to have any tests till the Elite Eight, um, but the bottom half of that bracket is tough. Texas Tech at the sixth seed, I think, is going to go to the Sweet 16. Um, Virginia Tech is a 10 seed there. I'm not so – I don't think Virginia Tech's that's good. Ohio State, a hell of a team. And I think Ohio State and Baylor are destined for an Elite Eight matchup. Um, and that would be a hell of a game, but I'm going to choose Baylor because I think Baylor's the only team that can compete with Gonzaga. And I think, I think they make the Final Four. The bottom bracket, I think, is hard for Illinois. Illinois, I think, is playing the this, this second-best basketball of any team right now. Um but they have to play Georgia Tech in the second round. Georgia Tech plays Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago may beat Georgia Tech. But Georgia Tech as a second-round team, as a one seed, is not easy at all. At all. I mean, that's probably harder than when Duke had to play UCF last or um, Zion's year. Um, 
So they can struggle with that. Oklahoma State's easily the hardest four seed by far. So Illinois, the first few games, is going to have a lot of trouble. And I think they easily have the best – they have a easier two and three seed in the bottom part of that bracket, but it's harder to get there. And so, man, I think that West Virginia in that bottom part is going to make it to the Elite Eight. And just because I've always been big on Illinois since day one, I'll go ahead and say Illinois beats West Virginia in the Elite Eight. And I'm going to have to say Georgia Tech loses to, to Illinois. Illinois has big guys down low Georgia Tech can't play with. So let's see. I got Gonzaga coming out of the West, Alabama coming out of the East. I'll go with Baylor in the South and Illinois in the Midwest. That's three one seeds and a two seed, meaning I'm going to be very wrong because that never happens, of course. It is March Madness. I'm going to go ahead and say Gonzaga beats Alabama. I think, man, Illinois-Baylor would be a great game. And I'm going to – man, that's a tough one. I'm going to just say right now I'll pick Illinois because Baylor struggled down the stretch because of their COVID pause. That's the only reason because – that COVID pause for Baylor, they have not looked the same since. So I'm going to go ahead and pick an Illinois-Gonzaga finals. And like I said, all season, Gonzaga is better than everyone. Gonzaga ends with a perfect regular season and undefeated season period and the champions. Gonzaga definitely the favorite heading into this tournament. I think they're going to be the number one team that picking that are being picked in the brackets this year. Uh, we have a lot of similar thoughts, Tyler. Before I get into the bracket, I want to discuss that UNC-Wisconsin game a little bit, give a quick preview of that. It's the 8-9 game. Uh, I think it's a really tough matchup for North Carolina. And even if UNC gets past Wisconsin, that Baylor matchup uh, as the one seed there, Baylor, that's going to be very tough as well. So I think UNC has a very difficult path to the Sweet 16. Um, yeah, we quick, do all season long. Against Baylor, Baylor's not the biggest team, so UNC would have size advantage. Issue is Baylor's guards are experienced, extremely athletic, and four of the best guards in the country, and UNC's guards turn it over like hell. And I think UNC would not be able to exploit any matchups down low because their guards would be getting hammered with pressure all game. Yeah, I think absolutely. We talked a little bit already in this show about the offensive rebounding advantage UNC might have. But if you're not able to get good shots to, to start with, if you turn the ball over too much, you're not going to be able to get any offensive rebounds anyways. I'm going to go through my bracket picks as well. I agree with Tyler out of the West. I'm going with Gonzaga. I think they've just been the team this season. I don't see anyone in that West bracket who's going to be able to topple them. Um, in the East bracket, I think this is one of the more interesting ones. I'm going to stick with chalk here and go Michigan. I think Michigan, uh, I, I just like this team. I think Michigan has a good shot. And I know you mentioned Alabama down there as the two line. Um, but I think Michigan has an advantage. You know how game. hard it is? Do you know how hard it is for me to talk good things about Alabama after what Nate Oates said earlier? <laughs> Man, I wanted Duke to squeeze in and play Alabama like second round or first round even. But no, I went ahead and picked them and uh, mind over matter here. That's right. We have two more brackets for me, so I've gone Gonzaga and Michigan, two one seeds. Uh, in the South, this is where I think it gets interesting. There's a part of me 
that wants to go crazy and throw Winthrop in the Sweet 16 or Elite 8, I think they have a really interesting matchup with Villanova. Some people are saying Winthrop might even be the favorite in that game. Um, but in terms of going to the Final Four, I'm picking Ohio State in that one. I agree with you, Tyler. I don't think Baylor's been the same team. And I like how Ohio State is playing. I thought they played really well today. Um, obviously, they did not beat Illinois, but that was a really great game. And I think that will help them in the tournament. And then to close things out in the Midwest, I'm going with Oklahoma State. I'm going with the best player uh, on a very good Oklahoma State team. I'm referring to Cade Cunningham. Um, Illinois and Houston, the one and two seeds, I think are very good. But, you know, March is all about point guards, guard play. And I think Cade Cunningham and the rest of that very good team is going to rise to the occasion. Uh, and Tyler, I'm going to agree with you. I think Gonzaga is the clear pick here to win the championship. I think they could beat Ohio State in that game on April 6th. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. I hope we get there uh, with all the COVID stuff. Uh, everyone's going into the bubble now, so they're going to be able to stay safe um, these next few weeks. Tyler, any final thoughts before we close out tonight's episode? Yeah, I just want to say I really like that Oklahoma State pick. If you want a team, not a top three seeded teams fourth that can really show up if you're thinking of a state quote-unquote safe you know bet for one of those sleeper teams it would be Oklahoma State for sure and people have talked about Liberty as potentially a tough team for them I don't know if that's really the case I don't think their second round game would be very difficult the issue would be playing Illinois who I think Illinois is playing the second best other than Gonzaga right now but um but if they beat Illinois, they have an easier Elite Eight matchup because they would be playing probably West Virginia. It was an okay, it's an okay three seed, but probably the weakest of them. So I actually do like that Oklahoma State pick. Um, obviously, a lot safer to pick Illinois, but as a lower seed, as a four seed, that's I like that a lot. Absolutely, it's going to be a fascinating tournament as well. I think what they're doing is they're just putting eight courts on the uh, floor of the big uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. So they're just going to have people rotating. Uh, if, it, if it starts to get to chaos and there's too many, uh, you know, cancellations, teams dropping out, just have one big pickup tournament. Whoever calls next, they can challenge the team that wins. Just put it on TV. It'll can be we jump in that tournament, John? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get up there. It'll be a free-for-all, a true March Madness. They can let anybody in, but... Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see how this all plays out. Join us next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about UNC's results in the first round and potentially in the second round of the NCAA tournament. It's going to be fascinating. Everyone enjoy it this weekend uh, with all the games. Tyler, do you want to let people know where they can find us, how they can uh, find us on Twitter as well? Yep, before I do, real quick, NCAA, I believe the rule is after Tuesday – there will be no more add-ins. Um, and so after Tuesday, the after the tournament starts, there's no one else jumping in the tournament, and all the games canceled. All the games with um, teams ineligible will just be no contest. Look out for that late in the season. What if there's an Elite Eight game where a team gets COVID and someone gets a bye or Final Four game? Pretty crazy stuff, but we will see how that uh, all unfolds. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Tar Devils Pod. Also, listen and subscribe on Spotify with the same name at Tardivals Pod and on Apple 
podcast. A super big episode tonight for Selection Sunday. Tyler, I enjoyed it. Everyone enjoy March Madness, and we will see you all next week. Thank you.